Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter, where every day feels like Saturday and French fries are a food group, where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season, where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door, where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. This on? Hello? Hello? We're all science people. Science. Exactly. We know it's a good idea because it's lasted. There's chemistry in here. There's biology in here. It's in whiskey. It's in ice cream. It's in who you fall in love with. Rules and, and ethics and everything else. We can make the world better for everybody. Starting now. Welcome to Science Rules. I'm your host, Bill Nye, and this is the show, people, where science rules. Now, everyone, it's a call-in show, so call me. I want to hear from you. If you want to be on the show, and I hope you do, and you have a compelling, wonderful question, please go to askbillnye.com and type on in. We'll get your question and get you on the show. So everybody you've met ever has parents. See what I mean? And they had parents. And so we have all inherited certain traits, characteristics, eye color, hair color, height, weight. All these things uh, come with your genes. So, but, but the question is always, always, why did we inherit some things, some characteristics, and not other things? I don't know, but I wonder about it often. So today we're going to try to work that out, along with a few other mysteries of heredity. So I'm joined once again by science writer and editor and, strangely enough, my good friend, Corey S. Powell, and he has inherited a thing or two in his time. So hello, Corey. Good to see you again today. Hello again, Bill. And here today is writer and journalist Carl Zimmer. Welcome to Science Rules, Carl. <laughs> Thank Carl, you so much. Carl, Carl, wow. Why were you, I mean, we're talking about heredity, and I got a strong feeling these two ideas are connected. But why did you write a book about both heredity and parasitology? Well, you know, I think I just like to, you know, explore things that uh, we all kind of know about but don't really think about. And so everybody, like, knows about parasites, you know, and, and we call each other parasites when we only insult each other. Um, but uh, if you actually, like, check out parasites, they are the most awesome and most successful life form on Earth. So, you know, basically, like, I like writing books about things where I start to investigate and sort of the bottom falls out. So parasites is one. Um, and if you start looking into heredity and saying, like, well, we all know what heredity is. I mean, I, like, as a science writer, I don't have to define it for anybody. But what is it? And all of a sudden, the bottom opens out. 
And by that, you mean it gets huge. It gets yeah, huge. It's huge. And you start to ask yourself, well, how did I kind of get through this far in life just sort of assuming I kind of knew what I was talking about when really nobody does? So your book is called She Has Her Mother's Laugh. That's an unusual title. And it's about heredity. So what is that? What does that mean to you? What led you to this? Well, when I thought about heredity, when I was thinking about writing a book about it, I was like, well, you know, what do we talk about when we talk about heredity? We talk about it all the time. And maybe it's because I had become a father, but I was also thinking about like with my parents, you know, watching me grow up and how we sort of try to make these connections between the generations. And we're sure that we can, you can break us all down into like a catalog of traits, like being tall or short or having a certain kind of laugh. And then that catalog sort of gets, you know, photocopied and then passed down to the next generation. Um, so that we say like, oh, you're tall. You must have gotten that from your great uncle or something like that, as if somehow there would be any way to get there. You know, we say weird things about heredity um, all the time. So, Carl, we very rarely get to run actual experiments here in the studio while we're doing this podcast. But in a sense, we do have an experiment here because uh, we have a product of your nature and nurture in the studio here uh, who happens also to be the the she of She Has Her Mother's Laugh in the title of your book. Uh, we have your daughter, Charlotte, here. Uh, Charlotte, welcome. Thank you. Uh, Charlotte, here, I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, can you laugh on command? Can we hear what the laugh sounds like? <laughs> There you go. I don't okay, there we go. <laughs> Why is six afraid of seven? <laughs> seven, eight, nine. There we go. There you go. The I think laugh. I have a variety of laughs, but I, there is one laugh that I actually do think is a lot like my mom's. It's a very wheezy laugh, but I didn't think I did it when I was little, and I used to make fun of my mom for it, but now I think I've adopted it because a lot of my friends say I laugh like a that. A wheezy laugh. Yeah, like <laughs> like that. Mom does that. Like, And you do too. And I now do it too sometimes. That sounds very uh, nurture-ish. Yeah, so, yeah because I, I don't think I don't. I th- I think my laugh may have changed as I grew up. But. Or maybe it's nature that only shows itself as through nurture, through latent development, right? Wait through a late, late brain development. Yeah, mm-hmm. we should do a podcast. <laughs> uh, okay, so, so Charlotte, did yeah. you, did you at any point feel like a test subject while your father was working on this book? No, I I didn't even know the title was about me until I read like the first chapter, and it said that when I was a baby, they thought I had my mother's laugh. I didn't really. I just thought he was doing his own thing. I wasn't really a test subject at all. Right, Carl, that is some good parenting. <laughs> Kudos to you. No experiments on but the children. I will say it's a remarkable thing where you got your kid to read your book. Uh, no, I didn't read the whole thing. No. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll get through it one day. I read like the first chapter, which is about my sister and I, and then I couldn't, didn't, I haven't tr- tried to get through the rest of it. But I did read one of your books, the short one, about viruses. Cool. You know, I've had readers who will say, you know, I'm adopted, and uh, I tracked down my birth mother recently, and I got her on the phone, and she started laughing, and that was me. And I'm like, oh, gosh. I didn't really, like, I meant it, like, metaphorically, but, like, right. I guess it's an experience that some people have. So we're always— well, you, you must have heard the sentence to choose it as the title of the book, yeah? Well, you usually hear people say, like, oh, you know, she's got her mother's eyes. But the la- something about the laugh, you know, where it's like— it's much more about our behavior and our personality and more kind of like deeper to who we are. I mean, if your eyes were blue, like I wouldn't really change how I think about you. You'd still be Bill Nye. But, you know, if if you behave differently, I think of you as a different person. And there's also sort of an implied nature-nurture question lurking yep. in a lot of these things like, oh, did she inherit her mother's laugh? Is that sort of like something in her brain or in the, in the, in the, you know, the, the voice that seems to be inherited? Or is that just 
you know, she heard her mother laugh for all those years and, and started laughing the same way. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is, that in a way, like, genes, like, told us a lot about heredity once they were discovered, but they also kind of messed things up because, you know, we sort of think that genes and things like laughter are the same, and they're not. And we do inherit genes. We get carbon copies, for the most part, of genes from our parents, but then... Um, you know, these other things do get carried down, the way you laugh. You know, the English language that we're speaking to each other. Where did we get it from? We didn't make it up. We inherited it's, it. Yeah, well, you listen to it, and uh, it, that's a case, a case of uh, nurture to it right, from but the I, outside in. Right, but I would, you know, uh, there are a lot of anthropologists I talk about in the book who say, like, this is heredity, too. It's cultural inheritance, and it's really powerful, and it's important for us as a species. So what's the answer? Nature and nurture, outside in, inside out. Yes. Oh, there we go. Yes. Thank you very much. That's, that's, that's Join us next time. That's a classic. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we got to the bottom of that. So. Nature, you got nature and you got nurture, and you have nurture through nature and nature through nurture. It's they're all kind of weaving together and influencing each other in these ways that actually, like, you know, scientists are just starting to like unpack them. You know, so so you could say, you know, scientists have done these studies where they're like, oh, you know, what is you know, there are there do seem to be some genes that have a small influence, for example, on how long people stay in school. You know, we're talking like on average, like a matter of a few weeks. You know, but uh, and it turns out that you mean statistically, yep. when you take enormous numbers of people, right? It's not like one person says, "Oh, it's March 18th, I'm dropping out of school." No, just basically, you look at everybody, and you know how you know how many years did you did you stay in school, and you average it out. So it's sort of like how persistent they are at a task in a in a Written large. Could be persistence, could have something to do with intelligence, could have all sorts of different things, you know. But what's also weird is that they can identify some of these genes, but it's actually doesn't, it's not that you, the student, have the genes. It's that one of your parents does. And that the thinking is that those genes can influence how your parents sort of build the environment in which you grow up. And maybe that's, that can help you to stay in school longer. If that's desirable. Yeah. Right. Nobody, yeah, nobody knows what these genes do. They're, they're, they're involved in these little, like, branching things on the tips of neurons and things. No one knows how it connects to our behavior. But the, con- the hereditary connection is there. But it's, but it's it, there you've got the nurture that you experience as a, as a kid, but it's being influenced by the nature of your parents. Uh, we have some callers on the line here, and I think this might be a good time to, uh, to bring Andrew into the conversation. Uh, let's see, Andrew, do we have you on the line here? Hey, guys. Yeah. Hello, Andrew. Excited to be on. Welcome to Science Rules. Uh, where are you calling from? Where are your jeans currently located? <laughs> my jeans, uh, I am wearing blue jeans, and me and my jeans are in Dumbo, Brooklyn. Dumbo, Brooklyn. That's a, that's a lovely location to have jeans. Uh, congratulations on that. Uh, what, <laughs> what, what, yeah. what kind of a question do you have for us? Dumbo, for listeners, Dumbo is an area down under the Manhattan... Mer- Manhattan Bridge. Bridge. Yeah. It's a, and it's hip. It's, I think it's the most important thing is it's, it's a hip area of New it's York not, City. It's not the elephant that flew aerodynamic impossibility with the ears. Uh, it's it's not somebody who doesn't speak. Uh, this it's Dumbo is the hip the hip hood in Brooklyn. Very cool, Andrew. Take it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so my question is about uh, redheads. I identify as a redhead. My dad has red hair. Most of my family does, too. And kind of growing up, you know, everybody was telling me, you know, this is pretty rare. You know, redheads are going to be extinct by the year 2100. Um, 
Meanwhile, I'm walking around, you know, places like Dumbo, Brooklyn, and so and hip. kind of all over the place. So hip. So hip. <laughs> and in film and in TV shows, I'm just seeing red hair everywhere. And I'm wondering, you know, what's the, you know, the present state of redheads and what's the future of redheads? Or am I just sort of attaching myself to these folks because I identify as one? So that's my question. Okay, so I'm going to try to unpack that because I think there are a few different questions in there. Uh, But one of them seems to be, you know, is there a redhead personality? Are there personality traits that are associated with... No, I think he's just, no, I think but, he's just talking about being having red hair. I, I agree. I think uh, you're and, projecting. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, actually, no, this is a thing that uh, that. Well, the, I want to know both. Yeah. Let's do oh. both. Oh, okay. Well, the the uh, just being a redhead just has to do with having certain variants of genes that are involved in making pigment. Uh, and you have a few different kinds of pigment that uh, are in your hair and in your skin. And uh, if you serve just if you make a little more, or a little less, uh, that changes the color of your skin or of your hair. And so and so redheads, uh, scientists are actually like pinpointing some of the variants that can lead to being a redhead. Um, it looks like maybe some Neanderthals are redhead just so you know. Um, and oh, cool. s- somehow along the line, somebody, I have to go back and look this up, but someone claimed that redheads were getting rarer or something like that, or maybe they had some sort of pre- uh, susceptibility to some diseases. And so therefore this meme basically started that redheads were on their way out. And that's bogus. I mean, you know, if, mm. if, if, you know, if, if everybody with these variants didn't have kids, then Yes, redheads would disappear until there was a new mutation that caused redheadedness. So, but don't worry about it. You know, your 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 people <laughs> will be around for a long, long time as long as you you know put on extra sunblock and stay healthy. And I mean, it's just yeah, this this redheads are disappearing thing is is a is one of those weird. So there's also things. along this line, there's a prop very well um, promulgated idea that redheads are at a disadvantage. Uh, economically, mm. but yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I got to say, <clears throat> some of the most successful people I know, just anecdotally, are redheads, and uh, there, there certainly are a lot of redheads in theater and uh, in on television. They're strike; they can be striking. Right, right. So, so yeah. So, there, yeah. I mean, in any sort of line of work where looking uh, different than most people, being a redhead is going to be. Definitely being a potential. Definitely be an advantage. Yeah, you're going to stand out. A longtime friend of mine, a speaking of striking, striking woman with red hair, would say, "Well, I can say that because I'm a redhead." In other words, she could uh, be uh, capricious or arbitrary or. We're going to do it my way, not your way. Right. There's a common stereotype a, of you know yeah. the, the ginger personality mm-hmm. or the fiery red personality. Yeah. Right. Right. As if uh, having hair the color of fire meant that it had something to do with your personality. Yeah. As <laughs> if. Yeah. No, it has nothing. I mean, there's there. I mean, but she told me. Well, there you go. There you go. N equals one. Done. <laughs> I, I actually uh, I, w- w- last time I was in when I was in England recently. Uh, and I, w- I was talking about heredity with with a f- with a friend because I'd read the book. Was he redheaded? They yes, he's redheaded. He, he's redheaded, and he started telling me about how in England, like, there's this whole strange lore about redheads being sort of inferior and th- all this. It's it was, I just felt suddenly I felt like I'm in a deeply 
weird and distant culture. Like I just, uh, I'm a real Anglophile, but as soon as he started talking about the place of redheads culturally in England, I was like, what are you talking oh, about? Oh, my, my daughter was reading Anne of Green Gables. And yeah. I didn't realize what a big part of Anne of Green I, Gables that is, that she's yeah. considered an outcast in part because, you know, she who would ever, who would ever desire a, a girl with red hair? Yeah. Well, yeah. I've been there. Well, it sounds like redheads have had a, uh, a dark path, but a, uh, a bright future. There, Andrew, well summarized. There you go. Thank you. Now, Thank we, you. we have somebody. But, hold on, I got it. I just, I, I'm here for you. We got to digress briefly on skin pigment. Skin pigment. Mm-hmm. Why are yes. redheads always mm-hmm. pale? Why are redheads always pale? Because, because some of the variants that can make you have lighter hair are also making pigment in your skin, which is going to be lighter. So, so I should just point out, my daughter has is quite pale. She totally gets that from her Irish mother. And so, she also has a little bit of red in her yeah, hair. Some... Yeah, all yeah. right. There you go. All right. So, uh, Andrew, does that make you feel any better? I, think I feel great. <laughs> great. Thanks so much, guys. All right. All right. Well, th- thank, thank you. you. Thank you for calling and uh, setting the record straight here. All right. Science rules, guys. Take well, care. Well said. <laughs> well said. Well said. All right. So, is there something to what's nowadays being called epigenetics? This is to say your ancestors had certain stressors, certain things that happened to them, and that affected the genes they passed on. Well, um, it's really amazing. Like when I give talks about heredity um, if in the Q&A, someone will always say, like, what about epigenetics? And I'm like, I mean, how does everybody know about epigenetics? I mean, it used to be epigenetics was a pretty obscure corner of biology. I learned and, about it in my biology class. And Whoa. it was dismissed uh, as uh, yeah, as, simply, as, as Lamarckian. Lamarckian. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so, um, so there. So basically, you know, uh, the idea is that uh, in addition to inheriting genes, you're inheriting the molecules around the genes that are sort of controlling whether they're turned on and off. And and those those molecules can can change how they work in your experience so that you can actually end up with sort of long-term silencing of genes or other genes being turned on over the long term in your own life. So can you pass that down to your to your uh, offspring? Um, if you are a plant... Uh, if you're a sunflower, if you are a dandelion, the answer is totally yes. 100% epigenetics is really important to heredity in plants. Now, if we go into the animal kingdom, things get a little vaguer. So there's good evidence, say, for tiny little nematode worms. There seems to be something going on there. If you go to mice, eh, there's some evidence, but there's, <laughs> eh, there's evidence, but people deba- debate about it. And if you look at the evidence for humans, um, there have been some very provocative studies that get lots of headlines and people talk about uh, and then become these memes again. But uh, the sample sizes are tiny and the differences are barely above noise. And, and so a lot of epigenetic experts are like, whoa, 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 slow down. Slow right. Down. I remember seeing a study about, uh, I think it was exposure to pollutants and smoking as a, mm-hmm. as a potential epigenetic trait that humans could pass down but you're saying that that's the 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 results are not nearly as robust as the as the screaming headlines that they inspire yeah it's a sort of thing that we almost want to be true because it 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 feels like it could explain so much uh, and you have to that's when actually when you have to resist the resist. most resist and and just you know don't don't fall prey to your own biases and, you know, look at the science. Fall prey to be, your biases. That's right. Be skeptical of your own biases. So along that line, Michael, you're out there on the phone. Hi. Hello, Hi. Michael. Michael, Michael, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Los Angeles, California. Fabulous. Welcome to Science Rules. Welcome. Now you have well, a question. 
you have a question which I think is very closely related to what we're discussing here. Go for it. Yeah. So I was adopted when I was an infant, and I grew up with my adoptive parents who are both academics. They're both college professors, yet I am this super artistic, creative type. And I recently discovered that my birth mother was also an artist. In fact, she was in, in art school when she had me. Um, and I'm wondering, how did I inherit her, inherit her aptitude for art, even though we never had any contact beyond birth? Like, what's going on there? So is that a nature-nurture experiment? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a great question. The, the, the problem is that, you know, science can't answer your question as an individual. What science can do is look at averages across lots of people. And there are lots of studies of, uh, of, of people who are adopted and comparing them to people who are not adopted, looking at twins, identical twins, for example, who, you know, who are adopted into different families. And you do see that um, they tend to be more similar in a lot of psychological ways than fraternal twins or siblings, you know, or the families that into which they've been adopted. So, you know, genes definitely play a role on average, but I can't tell you like, oh, well, there's this gene called AB2 and your mom has this variant and you have it too. I guess it should be ART. Yeah. We'll call it gene ART. <laughs> why don't we do that? And you inherited her ART gene. Voila, you're an artist. Um, you know, you could, you know, maybe there were certain, you know, maybe, 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 maybe there were certain you know, uh, uh, genes that you inherited from, from your biological parents that may have sort of influenced you in a certain direction. And then maybe you have, you know, cool parents who are like, hey, look at that. He can I wish draw. You, I wish our adopted son was doing what I never did. I wish he were an artist. I wish yeah. I could have been an artist. You know, as soon, you know, so like as soon as you, you know, showed an interest you know, did your parents like then give you crayons, you know, like then then you start to go down this developmental path. Now, if you had parents who were like, you will never be an artist ever, like, you know, maybe you would never have discovered that. So or you'd reject yeah. them and insist on being an artist. We, it is fascinating. These, <laughs> these connections between kids and parents and especially in cases where kids are adopted. It's it's endlessly interesting. But, you know, if you look to science at this point, all science is going to do is say like, oh, well, we looked at 20,000 people and here are these, you know, slight statistical differences. Here's the question, Michael. What are your professor parents professors of? Uh, my dad taught science and my mom English. All right. Okay. It's, it's you, got, you got some creativity that's there. That's good. That's uh, all good. Some might even argue that there is some creativity in science. Yeah, you might. Some might, yeah. you know, you I might, would. you know. I mean, you, if you had grown up with your with art, artistic uh, parents who were professional artists, you might have looked at them and be like, "Oh, that's a terrible way to try to make mm -hmm. a living. I'm never going to do that," and gone off and done something else. You might have reacted against whatever proclivity you might have. And I remind right. us, right? Everything that you see in your environment, in general, came out of somebody's head. And often that, that person was an engineer. I don't want to shock you all. <laughs> but that guy or gal used science to make things and solve problems. I'm just saying. <laughs> just saying. Right, right. Well, thank you very much, Michael. Thanks for taking the time to call. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Oh, thanks a lot. Oh, okay, you guys. Fathers, I have a question for you. <laughs> Fire away, Bill. It is said that, I have heard it said that by parents, both males and female parents, what they call fathers and mothers, 
that you get. Some say. You get a couple hours in, three days in, the baby's born, you're looking at the baby, you pretty much know what you got personality-wise. Is that uh, a true? I would argue probably within the first 60 seconds, I saw a difference <laughs> between my two daughters. Uh, they, they, they came into the world very differently, and they did... They did a. They each did a different kind of cry, and they did a different kind of facial expression, and they still. I still recognize some of those facial expressions and some of those, some of those inflections. Decades later, a decade later. A decade, yeah. Uh, we'll we'll call it uh, twelve years later for my older daughter. <laughs> what about with me and Veronica? Yeah, um, yeah. From from infancy on, yeah. You were just different kids. Veronica and... never smiled. <laughs> she smiles a lot now, but uh, she better. <laughs> but yeah, but they, but they, they, they've always seemed two such very different people. Um, and you but know, I'm talking about from the get go, six from, hours yeah. in, three well, days in. No, I, I can't. I can't recall that. I was. I was not getting enough sleep to really, really <laughs> log those things very carefully. But certainly from early on, and it's you know the same genomes are involved, and but it's just like, uh, but you know we're in the same environment, but you know kids. And they sample, you know, different copies of those genes, and you you can get this incredible diversity in a single family. Right. So, okay. So, stepping away from our very small sample size here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, you were, you were saying what's our you know, p value on this? Right. You you're saying you know it's you know is it nature or nurture? Okay, it's both. But everybody wants everybody wants to know. Okay, yeah, it's both. But which one is it more? You know, is that's right. It, you yeah. know, we all know <laughs> that you know environment has an effect on you know how you do on on you know, standardized tests, but come on, how much of it is genetic and how much of it's environment? People want to know the balance. How do you get at that kind of a question? Did you get to anything that felt like an answer? I, I got to what felt like a story, but not an answer. Um, so you you take, for example, height. I, I write about height in the book, and you, you think height is like really simple. This is not something complicated. Um, that We should have that all wrapped up. But height is actually a very deep mystery, and people were trying to understand how you inherit height uh, in the 1800s, why tall parents tend to have tall kids and short parents tend to have short kids. Um, and we still are, are struggling with that. I mean, it turns out that you can, you can pinpoint genes that influence your height. I got my gene se- genome sequenced, and I can show you some of the genes that I have that, on average, make you a little taller or shorter. Um, but there are thousands of them, literally thousands that have been linked now. And um, So it's the combination of genes, not just a specific... Uh, string on the uh, string of letters on the uh, DNA molecule. That's right. That's right. And and some of these genes don't seem to have anything to do at all with like cell division or bone growth. They they we don't they they're just way off doing other things. So why they would have anything to do with height is a total uh, mystery. And you know your genes, what you inherit in terms of height, uh, can get totally overridden by how you grow up. How about your diet, for example? Oh, huge influence. Or did you get decent medicine as a child? Where were you? Was your body too busy fighting off diseases? So you know, uh, if you went back to our ancestors a hundred years ago, one hundred twenty years ago, they'd all be several inches shorter. The whole world has gotten several inches taller. Uh, it's been a huge transformation. Nothing to do with genes. Everything to do with diet in that case. Diet, and clean diet, water, diet. medicine. There you go. So speaking of which, we have a caller uh, here in the spring named Summer. Summer, are you out there? Yes, I am. Now you have a cool, where are you you calling from? I'm calling from Northern Utah. Right on. All right. A city in Northern, Northern Utah is a big place. I've been there. 
Do you have a city, a town, Harum. a zip code? Hiram. Hiram, Utah. Uh, it's cold? Uh, yeah, pretty cold. <laughs> Do you have snow this time of year? Yeah, actually. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm pretty sure you have jeans. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're operating with, uh, with a set of jeans? I guess I am. And, okay. you were, and you were born. I knew it. Yeah. So you have a question, Summer. <laughs> Go for it. Is personality determined at birth? Like, am I stuck with certain personality traits my whole life? Um, do your personality traits change? Like you guys have talked about the baby's born right. a few hours in, three yeah. days in, you know what you got, but does that change? Um, it, well, I mean, if you just, uh, personality doesn't, I mean, you can, you can do psychological tests on infants and, and some will be, you know, more fearful, fearful than others. And those sorts of things are, you know, can be stable through life. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there, there are lots and lots of influences growing up that can influence people's personality. Um, so, again, it's, um, you know, these. The, if you look at, the best we can do is, is uh, look, for example, at, uh, at twins and, and see how identical twins score on these personality tests and compared to other people. Uh, and now, actually, scientists are actually looking at, you know, hundreds of thousands of people uh, looking at personality tests and then looking to see if they share genes. And they do share some genes in common. So people who are particularly neurotic may share certain genes in common. That doesn't mean that that automatically makes it, if you have one gene, it makes you neurotic. What it means is that it, you know, on average, it slightly increases your risk of turning out to be neurotic. So, um, <laughs> Corey, <laughs> so you are, yeah, I mean, I, you know, um, uh, you can, you know, uh, there, there is a genetic influence on your personality, um, that, but that doesn't mean it's your destiny. So there you go, Summer, relax. Science Rules will be right back. Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter, where every day feels like Saturday and French fries are a food group, where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season, where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door, where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. If you're on a GLP-1, you're probably loving the results. You look good. But how do you feel? How about the stomach issues? Loss of muscle mass? Lacking energy? All of those side effects can take a toll. So now what? The answer is GNC. We have solutions that can help address those side effects and make sure you don't get knocked off your path. Because when it comes to living healthy, we're all about it. And that includes keeping you going on your GLP-1 journey. GNC. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. 
And now, more science. Carl, you're, you came to this whole business of heredity from the outside. You're not a scientist who does DNA analysis as such. And I think this gives you a perspective that, uh, how would I say it? It's reasonable. That is to say, you're not looking for this magic bullet or for this, this one thing that indicates some amazing trait. With that said, are, the, is there, are there some generalizations you can make that uh, our listeners would be interested in having to do really with uh, nature versus nurture? With, okay, why do people go on family feud? <laughs> why do people do that? Because there's a belief or a presumption that there's some connection between these people uh, in that family that they would share, and wouldn't it be exciting to discover it? Right. Well, yeah, I mean, I think we, you know, if, I, if I'm going to get all sort of evolutionary psychology on well, you, yes, I would— Well, yes, go evolutionary psychology on us, man. Well, because, look, I mean, uh, we, we are adapted, like other species, to, uh, to care more about kin— you know, and, our family, and our family, and you can art. You know, but there are many biologists who would argue, well, that's because you share similar genes, and so that you know your genes are going to get passed down in the next generation uh, if you are caring more for your kin than for strangers. And that may sound harsh, but you know, it is a bias in in. How else would species. you do it if you're going to be a a genome, how else would you set it up? To not take care of your own family, your own genes? That's a so that's genetic suicide, people. Well, but the thing is that, like, you know, maybe there's that, that bias in us. And then we then, we, we, that bias makes us look at the science of genetics and say, oh, well, there must be all this evidence of these profound ties that I have to my ancestors that might not actually be there. I mean, you have to remember, I mean, here's one example of how counterintuitive heredity is, okay? When you, you know, at, from one generation to the next, I mean, you're not getting carbon copies of DNA getting passed down. Charlotte does not have a carbon copy of my DNA. In fact, when you make a carbon copy, the copy is imperfect. Yep, well, there it's you go. actually a pretty right. good analog. When you make a photocopy, it's not exactly the same as the original. I'm wondering, do you even know what a carbon... I'm going to ask my daughter. Do you know what I'm talking about with a carbon when copy? I, when, oh, when we dated ourselves. I've heard of it, but Charlotte, I do not know what it is. Have yeah. you ever seen... Do you ever use email? <laughs> I, I do. I'm not joking. <laughs> is that the CC? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it means carbon okay. copy. What did you think it meant all I, these years? I didn't... I, I think I knew the... Yeah, I think I knew it meant carbon copy, but I don't, I don't know so what a carbon So here's copy. the idea. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not joking. So we had mechanical typewriters, and then later we had electric is. typewriters. Okay. There's the front piece of paper. Mm -hmm. There's the back piece of paper. And oh, between them would be a piece of carbon paper, which had an ink on it. And I think in the 1800s, it probably had dusted carbon on it. And the force of the key making uh, the first impression on the front sheet of paper also made an impression a carbon copy impression on the back sheet of paper. And the letters are the same. And the that's the, are, the in this case, that's the key the thing is that the letters are the same. And uh, when, you know, the DNA letters are getting passed down from one generation, it's not the same. You get a sort of a sampling of, of the DNA of your ancestors. And the fact is the way that, that DNA sort of crosses, uh, chromosomes cross over and shuffle their DNA during the process of producing eggs and sperm, this process of my, what's known as meiosis, um, you're only getting a shuffled sample of the DNA of your ancestors. And so, um, 
so Char- you know, fifty percent of Charlotte's DNA comes from me, but fifty, but you know, maybe roughly twenty five percent of her DNA you could then trace to my parents. But if you went further and further back, you're gonna it's the the contribution from each ancestor is going to get smaller, and they're going to get more out of whack. So that you will actually end up at a you know maybe by nine or ten generations back, you could point to an ancestor, and it's probably more likely than not that Charlotte inherited no DNA from that ancestor at all. So there's still an ancestor, wow. but there's no genetic connection. And the further back your time you go, the more true that is. You know, they're, they're just, there's not enough room in the genome for all your ancestors. So I'm less related to my ancestors that are further back in time? Well, like... what do you mean by related? I mean, if we're going to just say it's... Yeah, she has to put up with this at home all the time. <laughs> I never answer her questions. <laughs> um, you know, like, if we're going to equate ancestry and all these traits with with genes we're going to get ourselves in trouble but what else are you going to associate with she had 10 generations back culture. somebody culture yeah. culture society <laughs> our lived experiences those things matter we don't we can't reduce ourselves down to a string of letters what what is happening oh wait Bill, was that lightning? Yes, lightning has superheated the atmosphere, creating a thunderclap, which means, Carl. Oh, dear. Charlotte. Uh Uh-oh. It's time for the lightning round. Are you ready? Yes. All right. All right. Yeah, crank your brains up. Be prepared for quick responses. First question in the lightning round, is handedness inherited? Left-handed, right-handed? Seems to be where we can't find the genes. Seems to be can't find the genes. Fine. What about intelligence quotient? IQ. Partly heritable. Partly. Oh, my gosh. This is unfair. 50, okay. 60, 70 percent. Why is it unfair, Charlotte? Well, he's going to know all the answers to these questions. Well, we're, this is not a competition, <laughs> oh, people. This is not a science thing. This, this is one. a spiritual thing. Do <laughs> you have a favorite parasite? Do I have a favorite parasite? I could claim that the Canthobothrium zimri one's named after me, too, so I guess. Oh, that's, <laughs> I could there okay. you go. Cool. It's our family tapeworm. When you die, um, it's just that, mine. <laughs> So you inherit it. That's, that's, so that's so sweet that you all share a parasite. Yeah. And it's we'll a tapeworm. on our coat of arms. You, you just can't say that. Ew, that would be a really gross coat of arms. But it's a tapeworm of a shark. Beautiful, yeah, of a shark that Brr. lives off the coast of Australia. Okay, Brr. I'll Except take they're it. they're underwater. Brr. Brr. <laughs> Very short tapeworm, by the way. So many sound effects. Yeah. All right. True or false? Can I see a gene under a microscope? False. Do you think it's a good idea for people to get a 23andMe or one of those other genetic tests? Is that a good thing for people to do? Uh, yes, if they're willing to put in the work to actually understand the results. I mean, go to that VCF thing. Just uh, read, for example, read, just just read up on what this stuff really means. Don't just don't don't just look at the results. People get very concerned. I've heard like people who have <laughs> older people that have done these tests get concerned that like. But that like these companies are gonna like steal their genetic information. Do you think there's like a real concern there? I don't think you can rule it out. I mean, you what know, would anybody want I, that's, with that's, my genetic information? Lucky you. Yeah, <laughs> uh, put you in a in a database, identify you. your relatives who might have done something, you know, criminal, or and then uh, hold, hold me hostage or something, or like you know, tell you you can't have life insurance because you have a certain you know, variant. That, uh, that I'll get you. Keep the lightning crackling. <laughs> sorry, here. sorry, lightning yes. crackling. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, wait, quick, quick question for Charlotte. What sound effect do we need to add to our soundboard? Do you have a cat meowing? That sounds like Raven. (laughs) (laughs) You get to choose once more. Uh, 
There's really nothing we, other than cats in your life. We can, That's we can, a good one. <laughs> we, 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 can, we can come back to you on that. Okay, I like that one, though. All right, Corey. <sighs> Carl. Uh, it's, it's a question about hair loss, uh, for asking for a friend. Uh, <laughs> does, is it true that the genes for baldness come from your mother's father? Now, I'm not going to tell people to do a Google image search on Corey Powell, but I'm just saying that, um, you know, that could be done. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> My mother's father died young, so I have no way to tell. Oh, okay. Oh. Um, I, I, I actually, I think there are lots of genes that are involved in hair loss or lack thereof, and so now it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. But there are things that do, like color blindness, for example. Uh, you know, it's on the X chromosome. I mean, and uh, so it, it, you know, father, daughter, grandson. So my brother's colorblind, my grandfather's colorblind, and that's the connection. But your dad is not. All right. Right. Uh, do twins skip a generation? No. There you go. Now, Charlotte, would you rather have Ancestry.com or 23andMe? <laughs> I've only done Ancestry, and I I don't know. I, li- I liked what Ancestry showed. I liked the maps that they showed, like, of what regions. Mine actually changed recently, like, and got smaller and more exact. But I, 23andMe... I say interesting because Twenty Three and Me does some of like the health stuff, but I think they generalize it a lot. So what what book are you going to write, Charlotte? Oh, I don't I don't know. That's the <laughs> title. I don't know. Well, what, that's well, pretty if cool. If you had to write a book now, what right would be, now, what would be the favorite thing you would want to write about? Um, astrophysics. Your dad. I, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Chris Blind on that one. There's a list. Just psh, not the angry I, sharpie. On the list, just a crisp line, Dad. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Nope. No. I probably write it about like, uh, like how I like like discovering like my interest in science and astrophysics. Oh, not bad. Wow. Wow. With that's, that said, that's, that's a good one. Yeah. Carl Zimmer, thank you so much for coming in. Everybody, buy his fabulous book. She has her mother's laugh, and that laugh is here. <laughs> thank you, there Charlotte. Beautiful. Also for Charlotte. coming in, it really oh is God. beautiful. I'm Bill Nye. And I'm Corey Powell. Remember, when it comes to the inherited genes feature of our universe, science Science rules. If you like science rules, please take a moment to rate and review it in Apple Podcasts and on Stitcher. It helps us out and helps other people learn about the show. Thanks. Science Rules is produced by Jordan Bell. Our engineers are Casey Holford, Jared O'Connell, and Brendan Burns. Mixing in original theme music by Casey Holford. Special thanks, of course, to Claire Rawlinson. Chris Bannon is the chief content officer, the CCO of Stitcher, where science rules. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions.